Welcome to Brew Crime. Join me, Mike, and guests as we explore the world of true crime. This is a podcast where we pick a theme, cover a few cases, and pair it with a craft beer. You can find us on social media at Brew Crime or our website at brewcrime.com, or you can find us on any podcast app at Brew Crime Podcast. Join us as we discuss the horrible crimes that surround us, and maybe tip a bottle back as you do it. Listening to Weird Distractions Podcast, a podcast where we chat true crime, conspiracy theories, paranormal stories, folklore, urban legends, a little bit of this, a little bit of that. Sometimes we might give you the weather. We, it depends on how we feel that day, but ultimately we're here to provide you a distraction from everyday life. I'm one of your hosts, Alex. And Christy. And this week we are back to conspiracy theories. Ooh, ah, sensation, craziness, <laughs> wild. I'm just pumped up, revved up, ready to rock, ready to roll. But before we dive into this week's topic, Christy, we have to discuss some things, some very, very serious things. My distraction? Yeah, what is your need for a distraction this week? (laughs) Tell me. I was like, what is so serious? Um, (laughs) My distraction this week is uh, my apartment's on fire right now, (laughs) literally. (laughs) I'm like... We're going to half naked because it's like 29 degrees in here. So I'm trying to distract from the freaking heat that's going on right now because I can't even cook in my apartment. And the construction, because this morning I literally couldn't even, I looked out the window and I was like, oh, I'm going to leave for work. And then I heard the um, bulldozers up front Mm. and looked down and I was like, oh, they're right in front of my door. I was like, I hope I can get out. So I ran downstairs because I had to leave basically at that time anyways. And um, there was like probably literally a foot worth of space for me to get out of my door Past the dozer and then around the corner. I was like, lovely. What the fuck? <laughs> lovely, lovely. So if you'd like to support us at patreon.com to buy Christy A, an air conditioner, and B, support her move. Moving, yeah, supporting her move, you can find us on Patreon. <laughs> at this rate, Christy might consider OnlyFans, but we'll get, we'll, we'll see how the, we'll see how the week goes. The, this is, this body doesn't support OnlyFans. I'm sorry. <laughs> what is your distraction, Alex? <laughs> Well, I well first and foremost, I have been stress eating all day. I I've had a really rough rough work day and just ugh, life. But you know what really is just not sitting well with me, other than the three brownies I have inhaled before we started recording. What the fact that two days from when this episode released, so on June twenty second, twenty twenty one. Paul Bernardo will be up for parole and have his parole parole meeting. So if you don't know, Paul Bernardo, a.k.a. I think it was a Scarborough rapist. Mm -hmm. He, and also part of the Ken and Barbie killers, which literally everyone has talked about. I feel as if we don't really need to do a deep dive into that case. But he is essentially Ontario's biggest piece of shit, other than Doug Ford. Um, But yeah. He, if he's listening, hey, Paul, uh, you could stay where you're at. <laughs> you don't Forever. need Forever. Yeah, you can just, how about you just stay put? But, uh, yeah, so that's unsettling because I, to be honest. Like how old I, is he now? Oh, gosh. Um, well, the crimes happen in what, like late 80s, early 90s? Mm-hmm. I would have to say 40s, 50s, maybe 60s. No, he can't be in his 60s. Was he like 20-something when this happened? Early I, mid-20s? 
I think so. I was going to say, I think my parents were only a little bit older than him by maybe 10 years. I don't know. I'd have to ask them again. But I I just thought that I would never have to live in a world where he was free. I mean, it's bad enough that we have to live in a world where Carla's free and roaming around Quebec, potentially, or wherever the hell she is now. But Mm. my heart also just goes out to the the victim's families, because that's... That having to redo that whole process again, because this isn't his first parole hearing either. I think the last one was, I want to say 10 years ago. Once again, I could be wrong, but yeah, not, not good. Yeah, I know that he does for sure, but I'm like, this is very big right now. And I'm like, yeah, so we might have an update by our next episode. So episode 64, you might hear us talking about it depending on the verdict. Um, but we'll have to kind of wait and see how things go. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I need basically to, a piece of shit. Yeah, need a distraction from that because homeboy is what? A piece of shit. Piece and, of shit self. Recipients. Oh, yeah. Shitty person shelf. That's what. Mm. See, someone, okay, someone either needs to help us make it physically or needs to draw it because I have no drawing capabilities. Christy, I don't know if you do. I can draw a shelf. I got like limited crafts. Okay. Fair enough. But hey, if you can draw a shitty person shelf and put some of the people we've previously mentioned on it, including Mr. Paul Bernardo, send it our way. We'd love to we'd love to see it. But uh, you know what I'd love to see here slash experience right now? Your story. Yes, because this week, as mentioned, we're talking about conspiracy theories specifically. Cartoon conspiracy theories. Cartoon? Cartoon conspiracy theories. So since last week's distraction was a little bit heavy, I figured it'd be a good time to maybe throw a little bit of light and a bit more humor into our little weird distracting mixture of things. So this week we are doing a weird internet deep dive to discuss random conspiracy theories about some of our favorite childhood cartoons. Interesting. You look concerned. I'm trying to think of like, I'm like, what cartoons did I watch really? (laughs) Which was relatable to me? Well, we will probably get to it because I know one for sure because we bonded over it when we were in public school. Oh. Yeah. So we'll, we'll get to it. Uh, With that being said though, I'm sorry if anyone's childhood is ruined by the end of this episode. Just putting that out there. My apologies. Before we dive into some of the shows and their theories, I thought it may be worthwhile to chat about the history of cartoons to get us a little bit ready, figure out what we're kind of getting ourselves into, uh, especially before the absolute chaos. In terms of the definition for cartoon, I'm going to use a direct quote from the Britannica website, aka one of the best websites in the world. In this quote, it says, cartoon originally and still a full-size sketch or drawing used as a pattern for a tapestry, painting, mosaic, or other graphic art form, but also since the early 1840s, a pictorial parody utilizing caricature, satire, and usually humor. And to add on to that, a quote from the website Britannica Kids, because apparently there's a kids version to Britannica, my mind was blown. Could barely. Was made. Yeah, I was like, oh my gosh, maybe this means it'll like kind of dumb down the the, the bigger definitions. <laughs> you know, the ones that are really hard for me to understand, even though they've explained them. <laughs> but from the Britannica kids website, quote, cartoons are closely related to caricatures, which are drawings in which a person or an action 
is depicted with an exaggerated or distorted features. Today, the two main forms of characters are either those that appear in printed, oh gosh, periodicals, uh, aka newspapers, magazines, and comic books, or the animated cartoons of motion pictures and television. Common forms of print cartoons include editorial cartoons, comic strips, and gag panels. I do like me some gag panels. Like, what was that gum? The gum that comes with little card, little th- stories. Oh, it was on Hubba Bubba. No. No. Mm. I know which ones you're talking about, though, because the gum never really... Is it la- double bubble or double... Yes, I, I want to say yes. I'm just going to yeah. say yes. I don't know. Sure. I, I could be those, very... Those were the ones I was like, okay, this is a cool tidbit for me. I like the gum. I like the gum company that puts like little... Ins- or no, it's not gums. It's Halls. The throat candy. Because now in their wrappers, they have little inspirational quotes. I totally haven't gone to Halls like lately because of AKA COVID and I can't be yeah. sick. But I'm like, when did that happen? <laughs> Yeah, no, I it was like a year ago. I remember getting them. I wasn't sick with COVID, by the way. Uh, but yeah, it had like, you can do this and go get them. And it's like, oh my gosh, thank you. I feel like shit. But now this Hall's little wrapper that I'm going to throw out in the garbage in 10 seconds made me feel so much better. Inspiration. Who needs, yeah, who needs therapy? Am I right? <laughs> oh, God. But uh, just for clarification of today's episode, we are focusing on animated cartoons so not comic books magazines or what have you with that being said animated cartoons have been around since approximately 1908 with the first documented animated cartoon called phantasmagorie which is which is a french cartoon in case you didn't pick up on my amazing french accent because it was pretty thick i know uh but fabulous (laughs) Uh, but this was by Emile Cole, uh, which set the earliest example of hand-drawn animation according to an Indian folk website article by Sharia Suresh. There were other animated cartoons after this one that I'm going to shout out as well, such as Little Nemo in 1911 by Windsor McKay, which I don't... Based on the image, it's not about fish. I can tell you that much. I was literally going to be like... But never mind. <laughs> Not that Nemo. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Uh, the next one was How a Mosquito Operates in 1912 by Windsor McKay. Windsor was putting out some informational stuff, which, hey, we got to appreciate. I would like to know how a mosquito works because they keep fucking attacking me. Like to know the perfect my blood. Yeah, they keep taking away my blood. So wouldn't mind getting to know them a bit. Uh, the next one was Gertie the Dinosaur in 19. 19- 14 by once again Windsor McKay because you know Windsor didn't it's quit all about the wildlife of sorts I kind of like it though the next one was the feline Foley's in 1919 by Pat Sullivan and Otto Mesmer and then the next one I have on the list is Alice's Wonderland which is the you know Alice in Wonderland uh, in 1923 by Walt Disney et al meaning there were more there was more than just Walt there was a lot of people on that. Yeah, but you, you I get that from, from book reports and citing. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Uh, in terms of current or more recent animated cartoons, IMBD, aka the other greatest website on the internet, has put together the top 10 highest rated animated series as the following. So number 10 is Young Justice. Never heard of it. Uh, number nine is The Legend of Korra. Never, never heard of it. Uh, number eight is Adventure Time, which I have heard of, but I've never watched. I don't think I've heard of that one either. Number seven is Archer, which I have watched, and I'm eh. It's not. Like... <laughs> eh. 
Uh, number six is South Park, which I actually, I can't. I, I don't. I can't I've, either. I've tried. I've tried. I've tried. I tried. I remember when I was a kid, my uncle gave me, I don't know if it was a South Park movie or just like a box set. And I literally looked at him and I was like, I don't watch this. <laughs> Please take it back. <laughs> I was kind of a dick as a kid. Uh, anyways, number five is The Simpsons, which I'm surprised... That, number five. You yeah. really did live for that. I love The Simpsons. Uh, the next is number four, Gravity Falls, which I have heard of, but I've never watched. Number three is Batman, the animated series, which... I guess they've been popular. Yeah. Uh, number two is Avatar, The Last Airbender, which I could kind of see being popular because Avatar. Big movie. Big movie. But I, I don't think as I think it's different than the movie. Mm. I could... I don't know. People, please don't at us and be mad. We don't know what we're talking about sometimes. And then number one, which I was shocked with, but also I'm here for, Rick and Morty. Oh, interesting. Have you ever watched Rick and Morty? I just see the commercials. <laughs> I love it. And then I, I I love it. I, I, I mean, would it be my number one? No, but it is what is it, it is. I see it's like a current thing. Was it like remade? Rick and Morty? Um, yeah. I don't know if it was remade or if there's just a new season coming out. I could oh, be okay. wrong. but uh, However, I did see on the top10s.com website that good old SpongeBob SquarePants is the number one animated cartoon movie out there. Uh, but I'm sure there's obviously probably tons of lists amongst different websites, amongst different platforms, and people would argue who's what's the best one, what have and what have oh, you. Yes. But I do love me some spongy. Oh, yes. So... <laughs> Without further waiting, I think it's time for us to get a little bit weird and chat about some online cartoon conspiracy theories. I'm going to be focusing on seven shows today, as I, I was kind of thinking I might want to do a part two, even a part three, depending on if, you know, people Is like that this. many of them? Well, yeah, dude, there's there's a lot out there. I almost went down a really big, deep rabbit hole. Uh, yeah. But just a heads up, these some of these theories are pretty off the wall. I'll splash some trigger warnings throughout because, yeah, some childhoods are going to get ruined here. I'm sorry. I mean, that's how we... So our first theory actually involves Mr. SpongeBob, uh, in which the theory is that the world of SpongeBob SquarePants is a product of nuclear testing. I have heard that one. Yeah? Mm-hmm. Interesting. So for those who don't know about SpongeBob SquarePants, in short form, he is a sponge who lives in a pineapple under the sea. Sponge. Okay, no, I'm not going to do that. Uh, <laughs> and SpongeBob is always seeming to be on some kind of lighthearted adventure with his underwater friends. I personally love SpongeBob. I was a big SpongeBob SquarePants fan as a child i had t-shirts i had hats i had bandanas i had plush like i had stuffed animals i had toys i still have i think in our basement a little figurine that my brother got me um mm -hmm. that he bought me and he's like you can't open this figurine because when you're in your 40s it's going to be worth money i opened it so there goes my ebay career i guess but needless to say i was a big spongebob fan even to the point where i got my parents onto spongebob and i think if memory serves me right we, when we met in grade seven, I don't think that we watched SpongeBob together, but I think you had told me that you like SpongeBob. And I was like, oh my gosh, 
we can be friends. She likes the same like shirt. my best friend. Yeah, but yeah, I didn't go that out like you did and have all of that stuff. I definitely watched SpongeBob. Like I own one of the SpongeBob movies, but that's about it. I mean, there can only be one true fan, Christy. So I get it. It's fine. <laughs> now the theory in association has some actual real life connections that may back it up. As some longtime SpongeBob SquarePants fans may recall, SpongeBob resides in the underwater town of Bikini Bottom, which viewers have speculated is located under the island of Bikini Atoll, part of the Marshall Islands in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, aka a real actual place, not just something I'm making up on the spot. Mm-hmm. In December 1945, U.S. President Truman issued the directive for the Army and Navy to test nuclear weapons to see like the effectiveness of atomic bombs and see if they would be worth putting on their warships or, you know, to see just essentially whether they were good for war. Let's put it that way. And for some reason, he picked Bikini Atoll to be kind of the testing ground, so to speak. I didn't do a deep dive, so I apologize because there is this whole kind of history side of it. I just kind of skimmed the surface because... I'm sure there's a lot. Yeah, and that could be its own episode. So I'm I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But anyways, so as you could imagine, there was a small group of inhabitants referred to as the Bikinians that were taken off the island for the testing, which was termed, quote, the good of mankind and to end all world wars. So that's kind of how the U.S. Army kind of proposition this. They're like, you know, if you just leave the island for a little bit, we'll do some testing. We're hoping that with this testing, we could, I don't know, maybe win the war and then we won't have any wars for the future and everyone can live peacefully. And so the Bikinians were like, okay, you know what, if it's for the good of, you know, ending war, I guess we'll do it, Um, being the nice people that they are. Yeah, it, uh, I mean, we haven't had any world wars, but uh, didn't really end end wars indefinitely. So, but anyways, Mm -hmm. that's. That's another to- conversation for another day. So the Bikinians would be able to re- uh, resettle back on the island sometime in the 1970s. Of course, the repeated testing contaminated the land-based food chain, such as the fruit from the trees and the coconuts. Uh, based on documentation, the grounds aren't like Chernobyl in the sense where you can still actually visit the island. You can live in the island. It's just, I believe some of the plants um, and some of the like growing food sources on the island mm-hmm. may have been affected. Yeah, it's, it's kind of problematic. <laughs> no, just 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 a smidge, just just a smidge, just a smidge. Like there's there's like there's still something like new growth, like it can be radioactive. Yeah, so that's a problem. How many people are you allowed to live there? I know. So I don't. Once again, I didn't do a huge deep dive. I would definitely recommend people looking into it. But I do know that the um, Bikinians had went back to the U.S. government asking for kind of like a relief fund of sorts to be like, hey, like we did, we did you a favor. Now we can't eat our coconuts or drink our coconuts. So, you know, could you, could you help? You fucking assholes. But uh, yeah, it's, it's kind of a mess. You can actually visit the island where you can learn more about the history itself. I mean, obviously with COVID, I don't know what the protocols are, but You can still reside on the island. It's just a matter of, you know, food sources that are growing on that are growing on the island, which is kind of important. Exactly. So some SpongeBob viewers have made this connection between the two. So between Bikini Troll and 
uh, Bikini Bottom, in which they kind of think that the characters in SpongeBob SquarePants represent nuclear test victims, so to speak, or like what would the a- like the aftermath of a nuclear test? Because yeah, I mean, be like the what comes and lives after the fallout and what like is produced. In- via yeah. manipulation or whatever. Exactly. In the show, there have been many images shown of explosions. There's similarity in the names of Bikini Bottom and Bikini Troll. However, no one from the show has confirmed this theory, nor has Bikini Troll, I think, ever been mentioned on the show. So that's just just a little bit of a fan theory. There's some wild connections. Yeah, the next one's a little bit really dark. <laughs> it's really dark. I'm so sorry. Uh, like darkness. Yeah, but this one's bad in the sense of trigger warning for dead baby talk and some traumatic themes as we discuss Rugrats. So the theory out of this show is that all the Rugrat babies are dead and part of Angelica's imagination. That's, I don't think about that. (laughs) So for those that are unaware of Rugrats, the show follows toddler Tommy Pickles along with his other toddler friends, Chucky, cousin Angelica, twins Phil and Lil, in which they embark on imaginative adventures each episode, of course, from the perspective of a toddler. Uh, I also forgot to mention, in later episodes, there is also Tommy's brother, baby brother, Dill. According to a creepypasta post, Angelica supposedly made up all the other characters as a form of grief. In a direct quote from the post on the creepypasta website, a little bit more of a breakdown as to the trauma and the grief that Angelica might have formulated these characters from. So, for example, Chucky, the redheaded kid, supposedly died in 1986 with his mother. His dad, Chaz, is a nervous wreck all the time because of this loss. Tommy, the main character of the show, was a stillborn in 1988. The theory explained that's why his dad, Stu, is always in the basement trying to make toys for Tommy even though he's gone. Then the DeVilles, who had uh, Lil and Phil, reportedly had an abortion in 1990, hence why the twins are shown as being twins because Angelica, based on the theory, couldn't remember what gender the baby was and manifested both of them. Only Rugrat that wasn't made up by Angelica was Tommy's younger brother, Dill. And once again, Angelica made these kind of kids to play with since she was potentially grieving. Maybe she had kind of heard the adults talking about this. And borderline, maybe she was bored. That's kind of where it goes. That is quite dark. Like, me thinking and watching, I can't really remember everything because it was so long ago. But thinking back on Rugrats, like... How do you turn them into dead babies? Right? I, I don't understand. But I mean, hey, this is the internet. So anything. Yeah, and it gets worse. So trigger warning about abuse of a child. Just a heads up. Because, uh, yeah, it takes a even darker turn. Lovely. You'd think that we were just reading off a Stephen King novel here. But trust me, we're not. I'm not going to reference the post in a direct quote. So bear with me as I summarize what it states about Dylan and Angelica. Because as I mentioned... Dill is apparently the only child other than Angelica in the storyline that lives. So according to this theory, Angelica couldn't tell the difference between the manifestations of the other children she made up and Dill. So she was uh, having a hard time differentiating reality and her manifestations. 
In the show, the kids are typically afraid of Angelica or end up doing what she says. So when Dill wouldn't listen to her, she would get very mad. Apparently, allegedly, according to this theory, Angelica hit Dill so hard that he sustained a brain hemorrhage, which the theory from the Creepypasta post points out that this is seen in Rugrats' spinoff, All Grown Up, where Dill is reportedly bullied for how he acts. They used a lot of not great terms, which I am not including and not saying because no, <laughs> to put it blunt, new. Uh, but I don't remember that aspect of All Grown Up because I watched, I remember watching All Grown Up and I don't remember Dill being bullied. Like I don't remember his character being bullied at all. Honestly, that's so long ago that I can't really remember the details of the show unless I rewatched it. Yeah, exactly. Uh, now, the website Cinema Blend made a good point that there isn't any really episodes from the OG series that would display this theory, other than Angelica's kind of a brat and she's able to kind of get her way with the kids, isn't even in every Rugrats episode, meaning she isn't the main character of the series. If she was the main, like if playing devil's advocate, if you will, if she was the main character, if this was what the writers were going for, she would be in every episode because she's the main character, because the main character has to be in every episode as far as my understanding of cinematics or at least cartoons. Yeah, if she's the one manifesting these dead babies and whatever else is going on, like, she should be in everyone. She's like, it's her point of view. Exactly. I Very dark. Very much a stretch. Not really here for that one, but I had to talk about it because it's weird, and that's kind of mm-hmm. on brand. Maybe. But Dead Baby's I'm not red. Yeah, no. No, I'm something. No. So the next one, a little bit still on the dark, creepy side, but the next one is good old Scooby-Doo. And this theory states that Scooby-Doo and Mystery Inc. don't age because they're ghosts. The plot, the plot thickens with this one. So I really don't think I need to break down Scooby-Doo. But if you absolutely have no idea what the show is about, it's a go group watch of it. Go, well, yeah, go watch it. Uh, it's a group of friends, Daphne, Fred, Shaggy, and Velma, who are essentially paranormal investigators alongside their dog, Scooby-Doo. This is the spookiest cartoon theory that I read, and I'm here for it because essentially this theory, which was tweeted back in 2015 by user at Mose Allan, and that's M-O-S-E-A-L-L-A-I-N, kind of could be onto something. I'm not going to lie. I'm kind of vibing with this one in the sense of, hey, it's a good, it's a good theory. So throughout the decades, the gang has never really aged, which has led some viewers to think that perhaps they're just wandering spirits themselves. Not only that, but the fact that they're able to tell what a real monster is versus a fake monster, right? They're always interesting right uh an argument against this kind of you know well they never age is i mean if you look at any other cartoon other than rugrats because they had the spinoff all grown up um you know simpsons family guide like the simpsons have been on air for almost 35 years i think if not more or maybe a it's little a cartoon. bit cartoon. you can make them yeah. age if you don't want to it's not like real exactly. people real wrinkles they're cartoons exactly however i will say if if the characters of scooby-doo were ghosts i think that'd be a pretty dope storyline it would be kind of cool because yeah there would be the reason why they can actually point it out and never age whatever but yeah hmm. i like the idea that that might be why they're able to find or get the ghosts and the monsters as opposed to the whole age aspect of things now on to our next theory which involves the tv show ed ed and eddie the theory is that the kids in the show 
uh, Ed, Ed, and Eddie are actually dead and living in purgatory. So once again, we are going super fucking dark because why not? I don't think I've ever watched Ed, Ed, and Eddie to know what it's about. It was just kind of a weird show to begin with, to be honest. Like, essentially, it was three friends, ironically, with the kind of a same name, who would get away with a bunch of shit because there were no adults around. It wasn't... So it was a party. <laughs> yeah, it was, but it wasn't, it wasn't good. Like, I remember watching a couple episodes and being bored of it. Because mm. it was like, oh, okay, cool, they get away with stuff. There's no parents around. Wow, like, how... How is this going to, like, be famous as a cartoon? Where's this going? Where's the plot line? Me as, like, a sixth grader being like, oh, my gosh, this plot is never going to advance past, like, a couple of seasons. How will I function? (laughs) Basically. So some suspect that the child characters are adultless because they're dead and living in what has been called an eternal childhood cycle within purgatory. According to a Business Insider article, it explains that there is a plethora of theories as to how they died, such as from a gas leak or, you know, a nuclear explosion, going back to nukes, because apparently that's like a common thread in cartoon conspiracy theories. But that the main thing is that the reported dead kids are stuck in the cul-de-sac that they reportedly died in. And they're all from different eras. So, for example, Johnny and Rolf are reportedly from the 1940s, Nas from the 1960s, and Kevin from the 1990s and what have you. This theory has never been hinted at in the show, other than the obvious fact that the parents just aren't around, which, okay. they're they're all named Ed. They're all born different eras. And they all hang out together with no parents. Not necessarily. So some suspect that the other characters in the show, so like Johnny and Rolf, I don't I don't remember these characters, but they think that they might be from different eras based on how the character is presented, but I don't necessarily mm. think that do you know what I mean? Gotcha. Which to me that's pretty in-depth thinking and making kind of very deep characters for a, a kid's show. <laughs> yeah, like, why you gotta be so in-depth like that? Yeah, like, damn. Okay, work, I guess. But as mentioned, this theory has never been hinted at in the show. So once again, just another crazy web conspiracy theory. I did some sleuthing to see if there was a reported circle of purgatory that could be relatable, which good old Google blasted my answer as limbo. And a quote from Britannica, limbo in Roman Catholic theology is the border place between heaven and hell where... Dwell the souls who are not condemned to punishment are deprived of the joy of eternal existence in heaven. So that could that could be where they are in purgatory, however they died or whatever they did to, to deserve that. But I mean, once again, there's not a gotta lot of meat. In, gotta get all in depth and dark with no meat and potatoes. Exactly. Exactly. So take that information for how you will. But this theory definitely comes from a weird corner of the internet. And once again... From what I remember of the show, it wasn't uh, wasn't that great. Clearly, I didn't watch it. No, <laughs> and like we are essentially cartoon cartoon connoisseurs here at Weird Distractions Podcast. The next one is a short and sweet theory. It is a classic one. We are talking about Charlie Brown. Never heard of him. Kind of an infamous cartoon for sure. So the theory goes is that Charlie Brown is actually dying of cancer during the series. So uh, once again, gut punch right to the stomach because this is also dark. Why is everybody dying? Why is everyone already dead? 
I don't fucking know. But similar to Scooby-Doo, really don't think I need to break down Charlie Brown since it's been around roughly since the 1950s. It started as a comic, then became an animated series. But essentially with this theory, and this is so <laughs> this is so sad, they... Whoever made up this theory stated that, well, I think essentially what they said, I don't know if this is word for word because I couldn't find a direct quote, but essentially because he is bald, because he is always sad and because his parents aren't really around, he has cancer, which which is (laughs) that's a pretty big fucking jump. That's a big old like we're going to do a hop skip and a big old leap over the river of fuckery here you're like oh it's happy-go-lucky story and it's like he has cancer yeah he's actually dying of cancer so that's basically it that's that on that um <laughs> literally sweet okay there, there was not like i looked and there was basically absolutely nothing out there for this theory other than he's bald he's sad and which i don't really remember him being sad i remember like the concept of the show is that he essentially is like he's always like he's got bad luck, but I don't remember him being freaking depressed or anything. Yeah, like other than he's like bald and it's like a yeah, I don't see that. No, it's a stretch. Uh, the next on the crazy, wild, weird cartoon theory list is Winnie the Pooh, and this theory is a pretty infamous one. So the theory is that Winnie the Pooh and his pals are all representations of psychological disorders. Basically, everyone represents. A mental health disorder of some sorts. Oh, okay. Let's say dis- that road again. Yeah, we're we're going down a dark road. So once again, Winnie the Pooh is another classic cartoon that I probably don't need to give a synopsis for because it's been around longer than both Christy and I have been alive. Uh, this is kind of a notorious one because I remember even hearing about this back in high school, which was like more than ten years ago. So it's been it's been lingering around, so to speak. Essentially, this theory is pretty straightforward, but I'll break down the characters and their alleged disorders. So, apparently, Winnie the Pooh has ADHD, also known as Attention Deficit Hyperactive Disorder, and OCD, which is Obsessive Compulsive Disorder, Piglet, Generalized Anxiety Disorder, Owl, Dyslexia, Tigger, once again, ADHD, and Christopher Robin, Schizophrenia. So, yeah. Some of those I can see. Some of those I'm like, that's a stretch, but okay. Yeah. In a BBC News article, Canadian, Canadian researchers were quoted stating, Winnie the Pooh, Christopher Robin, and their forest friends are seriously troubled individuals. <laughs> <laughs> okay, short and sweet. Yeah, although it's never been confirmed by the creators, it's definitely a long-standing conspiracy theory that the characters were based off of or at least represent psychological disorders, which I haven't watched the show in so many years that I don't like I'd have to rewatch it now, knowing what I know now about mental disorders for my work. Yeah, like I, I it's been so long. It wasn't my childhood, it was my childhood because of my sister, basically. Yeah. But I could see the Tigger thing or like Piglet. The other ones had to be like, what's yeah, the other one? Right. Yeah. Well, what was Eeyore? I think, e- well, Eeyore wasn't on the list, weirdly enough, based on what I said, but I think Eeyore was depression. he was, was like depression. the saddest person ever. Yeah, Eeyore was depression. And that one, I feel like, was obvious, because he was always so mopey and just down, right? Like, he was just, mm-hmm. you know, but... He was just Eeyore. Eeyore, which I feel you, Eeyore. I, get, I understand. Uh, the next and last theory that we're going to discuss, which, honestly, this one... 
This one, I think between this and Scooby-Doo, along with some other shows, this one really got me into spooky stuff. But we're going to be discussing the show Courage the Cowardly Dog. Do you remember that show? No. I didn't watch that, I don't think. My Lanta. You, oh my gosh. Are we not friends anymore? No, we are still friends. I might have to try and find this show so I can show you. It was so creepy because essentially, okay, let me just... Let's just get into it before I start going down for me, please. So, okay, the theory is that courage, or the theories, sorry, is that courage is actually a guard dog for hell, or he is making up the monsters that he encounters due to boredom. So, as some, Christy not included, may remember the borderline creepy show, Courage was an antsy, typically consistently scared dog who always seemed to be saving his elderly owners, Mural and Eustace, from all the monsters and ghouls that tried to terrorize their home, which resided in the middle of nowhere. According to a post on Fan Theory's wiki website, there's some speculation that Courage is actually a guard dog and he's guarding essentially hell uh, from a new monster in every episode. The first point in this post is the fact that no one actually knows where Courage and his owners live. It's often referred to as the, quote, middle of nowhere and looks like a countryside wasteland. In every episode, Courage is trying to save the old farmhouse that he and his owners reside in, which in the Fan Theories Wiki website post seems kind of pointless to do so because it's really worn down, right? So each week, a new monster or ghoul is either trying to kidnap his owners or, you know, terrorize the house in some way, and Courage is kind of the one that kind of saves the day every time, right? That's how the episode ends. Courage saves the day, even though he's like this little anxious dog that has you know, anxiety through the roof. A.K. it's me as a dog. I feel like this is hard to relate to for me because I'm like, I haven't seen it. So I don't quite understand. I know you're, you're looking at me like I don't know what's going on. It's fine. But we've been sad because it's like your favorite one, basically. <laughs> Other than SpongeBob and Scooby-Doo. Yeah, but mm-hmm. I will. I'll we'll get to it. Don't worry. I'll, I'll educate you. Don't you worry. So the second portion of the guard dog theory, whenever Courage is trying to warn his owners of oncoming danger, which if memory serves me right, they never really pay attention to, he seems to express his emotions or warning messages by alternating his body, sometimes giving him multiple heads. The post further explains that Muriel also often sees Courage with another head, which I don't really remember from the episode, from the show, but... I guess we'll roll with it. Uh, The postie, which I wasn't able to find the username of who made this original post. So if you're listening, let me know so I can properly shout you out. Uh, But the original postie makes a connection that the reported lore around the Hound of Hell, a.k.a. Cerberus, reportedly has has said to have three heads. To tie all this in together, I'm going to directly quote from the post. Once again, I don't have the post. The original post's username, I'm sorry, I couldn't find it, but if you're listening, hit us up. Anyways, direct quote. Therefore, perhaps Courage, or Cerebus, is a guard dog that stays in nowhere, aka hell, to protect his home, keeping mankind, Muriel, safe from the evils of the underworld. His master, Eustace, Hades, will rule over and hate all that is hell. So that's that's that on that. That's kind of, that's kind of it for that portion of the theory. But the next theory is pretty straightforward in the sense of courage makes up all these monsters and wild adventures because his owner, (laughs) 
his owner doesn't take him for walks and therefore he is bored. So basically this is about like a bored dog with his family and this has turned into like this dog's protecting hell and monsters and shit. These theories have come up with. Exactly. Isn't Sarah, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry if I'm pronouncing wrong. Is it Cerebus or, what, how do you pronounce that dog's name? Cerebus? Cerebus. Yeah, Cerberus. There you go. That sounds better. Because I think, isn't isn't that creature in Harry Potter, like the first or the second? Yeah, that's what I'm thinking of. Cerberus. Yeah. Yes. Cerberus. Yes, yes, yes. All right. So that's kind of the end of that. And that's the end of our theory. So to kind of summarize this little weird distraction we've got uh, happening here. It's been weird. Mm-hmm. So as mentioned earlier on, these theories come from the World Wide Web, meaning anyone at any time can edit, add, construct, or construed any of the original information and make them as horrifying as we have obviously heard. Some of the theories are interesting in the sense that after hearing them kind of makes you ponder and and perhaps think, well, maybe, or hey, that would actually be a really good storyline. Regardless, though, hopefully the perception of your favorite childhood mentioned on the show isn't too shattered, and you'll tune in to another part of this this distraction in the future. Yes, it was a nice little tidbit. It wasn't completely ruined. Some stories I'm like, eh, some of that I already heard. Some of it I'm like, that could maybe, but won't ruin my childhood. That's fine. Exactly. Now to shout out my resources. So thank you to the Indian Folk website, History of Cartoons by Shira Suresh, January 19th, 2019. Mental Itch website, The History of Cartoons, Author Unknown, Date Unknown. Britannica website, Cartoon Graphic Art by the editors of Encyclopedia Britannica. Britannica website, Round 2 for Limbo by the editors of Encyclopedia Britannica. Britannica Kids website, Cartoons, no author listed. The oldest.org website, nine oldest cartoons in the world, no author listed, no date listed. The IMBD website, the top 10 highest rated animated series by user Leone Warrior 88 on May 16th, 2016. The top 10s.com website for their post, and once again, no author, no date. The Cinnamon Blend website, Six Uncomfortable Cartoon Conspiracy Theories from the Corners of the Internet by Mick Joist on March 3rd, 2020. Creepypasta.fandom.com, The Regrets Theory, No Username or No Date Posted. The Guardian website article, Paradise Lost for the Good of Mankind by Jack Nidenthal on August 6, 2002. The Business Insiders article, These sinister theories will change how you feel about your favorite childhood characters. Yes, they will. By Ashley Lutz on May 31st, 2012. Digital Spy article, Nine Kids TV Show Fan Theories That Will Totally Ruin Your Childhood, From Power Rangers to Rugrats, which, kind of, uh, by Tom Emees and Ian Sandwell on February 23rd, 2018. BBC News article, Pooh Suffers Psychological Problems. No author listed Wednesday, December 13th, 2000. And finally, Fan Theories Fandom Wiki page. No author and date not listed. Remember, if you want your stuff to be credited, you gotta put your name on it. Be obnoxious as hell about it. Stamp it everywhere you can. But thank you to all my resources. And Christy, I believe it is your time to tell these heartbroken probably millennial people (laughs) 
us. <laughs> yeah, aka us. Tell our fine listeners though how they can reach us, how they can say hi, how they can support the show, how they can tell us to stop ruining their childhoods one episode at a time. Yes, you can listen to us on many platforms, for example, Anchor, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Free way to give us some support is just doing a review on Apple that gets us up there a little bit more seen. But again, any other platform you can find us on. Feel free also to email us at weirddistractionspodcast.outlook.com. We are still looking for listener stories. Please send in your stories. Um, could be a full length thing, could be a little blurb, some experience, something creepy, just in general. All of it's great. So we would like you to email it in if you want to be featured. We would like to do some more episodes on yeah. that. Feel to tweet at us and Insta, we're distractions. If you'd like to monetize in any way for some support, which would be great, uh, going over to you buy me a coffee, a little cheap way, or you can support us on Patreon with our one of two tiers. And a little bit more, you can go over to Redbubble. We got some merch if you just do weird distractions. Yeah, you can get a sweater, you can get a sticker, you can get a mug, whatever you are feeling, you can get it on Red Bubble. And once again, thank you to Tom and Bailey, our patrons. We appreciate you. We love you. We we wouldn't be doing it without you guys. We also wouldn't be doing it without our other listeners too. And just to kind of add to the listener distractions series, so we just released our first one on May on oh my god, I was gonna say May thirteenth, new no. on uh, June thirteenth, and we're hoping to release our next one on August thirteenth. So you have. The rest of this month and some of July to get your stories in. Get them in. The sooner the better, because Christy and I's recording schedule is all over the map. And we, and I'm sorry. <laughs> and we and we want those stories now. Darn it, we're hungry for stories. We want to know what keeps you up at night. Is your aunt in a major marketing scheme? Is she being weird about it? Have you seen a ghost recently? Let us know. Email us. And remember, if you need a distraction, we got you. Bye. Bye.